Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Swearball Podcast. To buy The Swearball Magazine, get back issues and podcasts, visit theswearball.net. In Podcast 12, we breakfast on cider on our way to our first point at Forest. We contemplate playing Casper Schmeichel up front and in midfield and in defence and Robbie f- Savage to celebrate another the f- Hello, welcome to the Square Ball Podcast, now officially the most downloaded podcast that we make and with me in the studio, the gentleman responsible for that overwhelming success, Michael Normanson's here. Hello. Moscow White. I'm downloading right now. <laughs> and Oddie's here as well. Hello. Uh, you can get in touch with us via many ways, podcast at squareball.net if you want to email us, find us on Facebook and you can tweet us at the squareball too. Right then, gents, so the season's underway, opening fortnight of the season out of the way. Uh, first impressions, how are we all feeling about it so far? Quite good. 4 nils, a great result. <laughs> a lot Very better than I was after 20 minutes of the game on Saturday. But um, no, it's, it's not been too bad. You've, a lot of the players we've got are unproven in this league, so it was always going to be a bit of a, a difficult start, I think. Well, it kicked off um, Saturday the 7th against Derby, which was uh, after the last time we spoke to the listeners. Uh, 2-1 home defeat in the BBC televised game, a bit worrying in some aspects. Uh, that was quickly followed on Tuesday the 10th by the 4-0 victory against Lincoln, uh, followed by uh, Sunday the 15th, our first away trip of the season, down to Nottingham Forest, um, 1-1. Um, perhaps a, a worrying start to the fortnight, but a much more encouraging finish. I don't know if I was worried necessarily I mean I know we lost but I didn't come away from it thinking we'd been well beaten and thought we were unlucky not to get a draw at least especially given the first game of the season we could have been much much worse since that 2-1 defeat against a good team but I'm generally an optimistic kind of sod <laughs> yeah I wasn't too worried after the first game I don't think Derby are going to be there or thereabouts at the end of the season, but I think they were a bit better prepared than we were maybe rather than a good team they're a team with a couple of good players Yeah, I think it, it was worrying how Poor we look defensively with uh, Collins and Naylor, but I think they're both all right individually, but as a, as a unit they look very, very slow. Um, I mean, hopefully Hulse, I guess, is one of the best strikers in this league, so maybe they won't um, won't have such a bad time every week. But, um, yeah, and Bersone and Connolly were... Well, Connolly was better than Bersone. <laughs> that's, that's the one positive we can say. Do you think this uh, this four five one slash four three three system looks to have been leaving the fullbacks exposed? Because... We changed system at Forest, um, didn't we? And it heralded a great improvement, um, and we went man for man with them four four two. Perhaps having you know Johnson on one side and um, Sam on the other side offered a bit more cover for the fullbacks. 
I think the problem with it is is that we don't have a defensive midfielder, so who's meant to do a lot of the defensive work and when you've got Kilkenny trying his best to do that, it, you, you do leave your defence exposed then, because there's not there's not really anyone fulfilling that role. Yeah, it becomes less about the formation and more about the players we've got in that formation. I'm sure if we had Arsenal's midfield, then it wouldn't really matter. Because <laughs> going forward, much, but... it, it looked fairly good. We were creating chances. It was just whenever they broke, there seemed to be massive gaps that that were dragging people out of position. Like in the hole where you would expect a, a defensive midfielder to be sweeping bits up, they, they were just being able to get possession and run at our back four where really there should have been someone there to try and stop them. Well, there's two things there. They've only been doing it about six weeks since Grayson came back from pre-season with this brilliant idea um, and that we haven't really got the first team yet with Snodgrass being injured and with um, transfer windows still being open, which is always a... A worrying sign for our lone happy manager that there's obviously going to be some some more happening. That was the other thing about the opening game as well that we, you know, we did lack our all of our attacking threat. Really, the first choice, or potentially the first choice front three were all out with Painter there as well, who I think as well would have come on for Becchio after an hour had we had someone there because Becchio was absolutely on his ass because he'd been just charging around all game. Um, so if that meant for the last half hour we didn't even have an outlet up front, it was um, just. Easy, easy headers for their defenders. But to put a more positive spin on it, then we did forge quite a, a few good chances against Derby, so we can take encouragement from that. Even if we are lacking up front, so surely things can only get better in that respect. Yeah, we made good chances against Forest as well. What um, struck me yesterday on the Forest game was Johnson was everywhere. He got loads of the ball, but the, the only time he used it really well was the goal, which was a brilliant cross. But then about five minutes before that, he'd got in a similar position. They shanked into the crowd, whereas Housen wasn't quite as visible, but would probably, if he'd had the ball in Johnson-like positions, have come up with something a bit better. If we could somehow, using science, <laughs> combine... This is going to be like the film Weird Science, isn't it? Where we House... feed, feed two pictures of Housen and Johnson into, into in an 80s goals... printer yeah. and come out with some super midfielder. Um, and so that was so we were getting into good positions, and then Johnson was just basically sticking the ball in the stands. But um, no, we looked good going forward. We looked at least as good as Nottingham Forest yesterday. After well, the first twenty minutes apart, which was obviously onslaught. <laughs> that when the the stats showed up after seven minutes on Sky that said it was eighty two percent possession to Derby. Yeah, um, and they weren't even playing. <laughs> That's how bad it was. <laughs> well, well, Michael and I were down there, and we said then we exchanged a. Conversation about this, saying if we score today and get anything out of this game, it will be an absolute miracle. And just briefly to touch on the Johnson thing as well, there were people around us begging him not to shoot. <laughs> he picked the ball up. It was, like, it was like the opposite of David Batty when he used to pick the ball up. <laughs> shoot! Said, Don't shoot! Keep it! Give it to someone, please. Well, see, he was really influential, and then just every, he just seemed to lose his head every single time and just do something daft. Things that he's frustrating is Johnson because he does, like you say, he does seem to get in good positions and he, he looks kind of athletically charging about the pitch but then he gets it and he just makes bad decisions and mm. you, just, you just sort of wish he'd almost take a second longer sometimes just to just think about what he's doing but it's crossed a sound with a lovely ball it was and, he, and as well the other thing I was thinking before we give him too much of a hard time it's, he's only ever played two games in the championship in his, uh, in his career so you give it, maybe give him time at the other end as well I think although Naylor and Collins have been getting a lot of stick they've now faced Hulse who scored but they faced um, Earnshaw, who had that um, ridiculous 
Head. 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 <laughs> <laughs> he's got a head that's he does, he far too big for him. Mars attacks. He, yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> Roswell-esque head. Um, and he made that ridiculous <laughs> video before the game where he's poncing around in the dressing rooms at an empty... Um, Empty county ground. Is it the county ground? I've forgotten where Forest play. They play at the city ground. City ground, city, county. Well, he's poncing around in the changing rooms like a fool, and it's all just coming out of saying, Are you ready for passion? Can you believe the power? And then he couldn't even get a goal off um, Richard Naylor, hit the post, which is a bit worrying, but they haven't been quite as terrible as some of the comments have been. They're clearly a little bit off the pace, but as long as they don't have to turn around and run... Um, they don't do too badly as long as Collins has got the ball in front of him I would fully expect him to get there first and then whack it quite a long way um, into the stands that was one of the uh, frustrating aspects I think um, particularly about the Forest game was uh, early doors whether it was the system or the the, the pace at which Forest started was the amount of long balls that were just going from back to front back to front because despite having a five-man midfield, there just there was no one going back to pick it up and receive it. That was happening against Derby as well. It seemed our new five-man midfield's tactic was to pass it left and right amongst each other, and then when they weren't going anywhere, play it back to Naylor, who would just bang it long um, in the general direction of Becchio, and then it'd be a goal kick to them. But you know, we don't have we don't employ Naylor and Collins to to bring the ball out and play defence splitting passes. The midfield have got to take control in that situation. You wonder as well how much longer they will actually continue for because we spent actual proper cash money on Bruce, which yeah. is quite rare. Yeah. Although we seem to like spending money on defenders we don't play. Like Brom- Bromby, cost money, yeah. Lubo. There's been a few really. But, um, yeah, I wonder if, if he'll eventually get his way back in the team through a slight niggle or something to one of them and then he'll just stay in for good. That's what people thought might happen after Lincoln, but he switched it back. I guess it's, it would have been difficult to say to Richard Nail, say, Bruce did really well against uh, whoever Lincoln had up front. <laughs> <laughs> so. And the other man, of course, is uh, Schmeichel at the back. Yeah, he's probably been the standout player so far, hasn't he? Looking like real quality. Very very reminiscent of his dad and his body shape and stuff, which is a bit mm. off-putting in a lead shirt, but you know we'll, we'll tolerate it because I think he's, he's the best keeper we've had in a long time, isn't he? Yeah, it? yeah. It, it, I was thinking about how we've got some good players. I'd say Snodgrass, Kilkenny, Becchio. If you watch them all for 90 minutes, you'd come away and you'd think, yeah, those are good players. You watch Schmeichel for 10 minutes. After 10 minutes against Derby, that, that guy's brilliant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and he seems to, after talking about Johnson's influence, Schmeichel seems to have a be, he seems to have a character to him, which a lot of our players kind of tend to be quite anonymous and don't do much that makes you notice them, whereas he's always... Yelling about, at the players. Is that the thing about taking responsibility as well, you know, yeah. to the midfield thing? Well, I mean, a lot of his long balls that he seems to really love playing didn't meet the targets, but the one that that got to Sam that set up a goal-scoring opportunity, it was like he was, he was playmaking from the six-yard box mm. and he's immediately getting the ball and trying to start an attack, which I think our, our lumbering... Um, <laughs> The lumbering players ahead of him were all kind of not quite onto it, and Sam did well to to, to get there. But so that's just good. And then the, the double save was um, wank worthy. <laughs> well, I've said it. It's. I just. I'm I, sure I, he feels the same. Yeah. <laughs> when I was stood there um, yesterday, I had a, a moment where I considered it. it was a cross went over, and I, and I sort of realised. I thought if you'd span me back twelve months to anchor and say, and you'd be like. Oh, what's going to happen now? But with that, you just thought, no, he'll tidy that up, that's fine. Mm. And he did, you know. Yeah, everything, everything about him just seems very confident, the way, the way he collects it, the way he distributes it quickly, the way he's quite happy to bollock his defenders, even though they're, you know, 
10 years older than him. <laughs> I think that's but I think that's a nice a nice sign because you need that from a from a keeper to organise the defence. Going back to his distribution as well, there were a couple of kicks that he sent down the left wing right onto Johnson's head and Johnson's mm. good in the air and he's very reminiscent of you, sort of Gary Speed in his heyday. there. And there were a couple of, and they landed right on his head and I just thought you're you're a really good player. Um, Dash Michael. I put this on <laughs> I mentioned this on the forum and I want it on record now. He will at one point this season he's going to roll the ball out to, to start an attack. Someone's going to tackle him and score, and he'll look like an idiot. It's going to happen because it's, <laughs> it, it's easy. Someone will pick up on it, and they'll they'll put a player on him. It'll probably be Robbie Savage who'll do it at Pride Park, and we'll concede a goal. But he's already in credit as far as um, as far as conceding goals is concerned. I mean, Derby could have been well away if um, if he hadn't been playing. The other worry of him frightening really is that he's playing very well, and if he continues to play well in January, someone will probably buy him. <laughs> That's the, that's the that's my only that's my main worry I have about him really is that people will see his young goalkeeper with obviously a, a name attached which does undoubtedly help I think you know we don't say, tend to say no to people. Well, we'll come back well, in February and the transfer windows close. We'll discuss how brilliant Shane Higgs is. <laughs> <laughs> that's very pessimistic. We might keep him maybe until next summer. Next yeah. summer, yeah. I, I did. My heart did sink a little when we signed him, and I thought, brilliant, we signed Casper Schmeichel. Great goalkeeper and a sort of two-year contract. I thought, oh, that's not very long. Options open there. Yeah. <laughs> the other standout player then from the start, probably being Lloyd Sam, he had a really good game down at, at Forest and bagged himself a couple of goals as well. He looked a little bit lost, I thought, on the opening day, but since then he's uh, yeah he's done really well. I mean, against Lincoln, we've, we've barely even mentioned the Lincoln game really, but it was um, it looked had the look of a training match to it really, particularly with the early goals. There was never any contest there whatsoever really. Um, and second half, the crowd and the players were just sort of bit bored. chilling out, really. Just <laughs> sat around. But uh, is, is a game like that good in a way? Because it, it's going to give them a bit more time to gel, you know, in, in an actual match scenario rather than just in training. You know, they're up against genuine opponents, even if they're not very good, and they're tonking them. But it gives them a chance to get to know one another, the positions and how the system works. That's what I thought. Because at, at the time, I was surprised in, and a bit, maybe a bit disappointed he'd not changed more players. Because I thought after what happened last year when, with the cup runs and everyone was knackered and. I was thinking maybe he might bring in a few more changes, but when he when he kept it the same, I thought, well, apart from uh, Bruce and Vanilla, I thought he's probably just trying to uh, give him a bit more time, a bit more confidence. It's like an extra pre-season friendly. And you know, that would have been a JPT game last season, and we'd have lost or struggled. <laughs> also worth giving a quick mention to uh, yours and my uh, day out, Michael. It was a, a fun day out on the train down to Nottingham. What a, what a lovely day it was. We had a lovely day. We, we saw the sights, uh, got turned away from Hooters. Uh, which was a bit so upsetting. It's 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 a bad sign when you're getting turned away from a Hooters, isn't it? What state must have you been in? <laughs> I was fine by that stage. I don't know. I don't know what they're on about. But yeah, we ended up in the uh, in the county ground actually, which was quite nice. Very reminiscent of Billy's Bar, wasn't it? The uh, the, the bar that we're in this called the Sports Bar. You know, Sky Sports News on the on the screens and stuff. Uh, smelled quite a lot of body odor because it was like six deep at the bar. Very warm day. Uh, but you know, you can put those things aside and. We queued up for the bar. It was it was a fun day out. Well, me and Ollie had a fun day out as well, and we'd smell plenty of body odor of our own. <laughs> Thank you very much. Didn't uh, want to come, but it, was, uh, it, it didn't bode that well, did it? When uh, you turned up for the train and your breakfast was four cans of cider. <laughs> That's a standard away day breakfast. It's a standard tramps breakfast. <laughs> what did you have to start uh, the day? Yeah, I was a little bit tired from work the night before. I didn't have that much sleep, so I opened up with a Red Bull and I followed that with a Ribena extra light. 
Is that the healthy, the yeah. healthier option? It was a sugar-free, sugar-free Red Bull as well. No, it was sugar-free Red Bull. I was just going for the caffeine kick, and it worked. To be fair, then we uh, we hit the uh, hit the beers at, in Nottingham when we got allowed into somewhere. I then made the mistake on the way home. We'd, we'd stopped in Sheffield um, for a few more drinks, and I missed my train, my connecting train. And where I lived, there's about one train every two or three years. Um, <laughs> so I thought, ah, oh, there's, there's a station nearby. I'll just I'll get to that one. That's not too far, and it, yeah, it took me quite. It, was, it turns out cars are a lot faster than walking. Go on, tell me how far because you, you checked, didn't you? Afterwards, how far? Well, yeah, halfway halfway along the walk when I was walking down a dual carriageway, pissed with my coat tied around me, some Haribo in my pocket. I thought I'll just check on Google Maps how far this is because I really thought I'd be a lot further on than this. It's four and a half miles. <laughs> Took me an hour and a half to walk home. <laughs> You were texting me as well, weren't you? Oh, oh, this, this, is was, this is further than I thought. I was so upset by the time it's we like got I'm home. in the bath. <laughs> no, it, was, it was a fun day out, uh, would recommend. And the away support was really, really good. I mean, you've been reading about it on various uh, forums that it sounded great on the telly and it was great to be a part of it as well. Some of the singing was fantastic. It was it, the part when um, Lee Camp was injured that for some reason it seemed to inspire us like the sing song. <laughs> and um, it was one of those things I was uh, joking around, accusing him of... Uh, pretending to be hurt as the blood poured down his <laughs> face. Um, and then after a while he just kind of went quiet and realised that this is fantastic hymn of... This noisy hymn was coming from um, right behind him. I noticed he did gesture at the Leeds fans. I wasn't sure what his Well, uh, that started out because the Leeds fans... Because he went down and the Leeds fans were singing You Soft Bastard. So he stood up and then he pointed to the blood gushing down his face. And everyone went, yeah, and whatever. His badge, and everyone went, yeah, whatever. And carried on singing You, you Soft Bastard. You don't really get it, do you? <laughs> <laughs> don't matter if your head's falling off. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk now then about the things that have been happening uh, down at Ellen Road in the last couple of weeks. Let's catch up on a couple of things that happened after we recorded the last podcast, but it's old news now. Uh, first of all, Sanchez Watt signed up uh, on a season-long loan just after we recorded the last podcast on the eve of the new season, uh, quickly followed by Adam Clayton and, and a host of terrible U2 puns. Sanchez Watt we kind of know about from last year, and he, so he's made a good start. Um, Clayton, has anyone heard of him before? Well, he scored against us for Carlisle, and then he came on against Nottingham Forest. It was and terrible, wasn't him. it? I was quite impressed with how bad he was. It, was like, it seemed like I mean, when he first got the ball on the touchline and just fell over it and put it out of play, I thought, well, that's, that's a, a funny thing for your first touch. And then when his second touch was to go straight through that guy at about thigh high, I thought, well, I'm not quite sure what he's been brought on to do. <laughs> so trying to catch up with the pace of the game. Yeah. So Maybe he's used to keeping time with uh, Larry Mullen. Oh, God. Oh, you've done it. You've oh, yeah, Laying the side down. Do it. The year-long loan for Sanchez, what is encouraging as well that we've got him for all a year? Season. Yeah, all <laughs> <season>. <laughs> Injured by Christmas. Yeah. So, so he's as good as, as ours for this season, yeah. we don't have to worry about it. He's him. this year's Michael Doyle. Yeah. Speaking of departures, on the way out, Alan Martin uh, gone out on loan to Barrow until January, still never played a game for us. Is he ever going to play a game for we us? We might as well just take him down the canal with a, a bag of bricks. <laughs> <laughs> He must just be like, oh, Barrow. Again. Oh, oh, it takes ages. I'm from Scotland and I know it's crap. <laughs> also gone, Trezor Candle uh, released. We're probably going to be still paying him for a while yet. Um, He's been released before, hasn't he? From, <laughs> from choking. <laughs> uh, we 
did sort of hint towards this possibly happening on the last podcast. Little did we know that only hours later he, w- he would be released by the club. 77 appearances, that's all. I thought he'd made more than that, but 77 appearances, it felt like more. Um, and 16 goals, it didn't feel like more goals. No. <laughs> yeah, that one good spell, didn't he? They will always remember. Which, for some reason, we gave him a three-year contract <laughs> yeah. off well, the back of about three good weeks. And gave him Beckford two years. <laughs> Weren't they a three and a two year extension as well? It wasn't just a straightforward two and three years. It was like four years all in, wasn't it? And then it was only it was shortly after that we realised what a mistake we'd made and got Shawumni in. <laughs> so, oh well. I think he's destined to be a bit of pub quiz fodder. His candle. It'll be a, who scored the winner in the opening game of Leeds's minus fifteen season, and most people are like, who's that? But those that remember it. You remarked to me, didn't you, yesterday actually, that um, you thought he'd end up playing non-league in a couple of years. Like he'll go down, I to, reckon league, so. down to League Two in, a, in in this next season, maybe, and then he'll he'll get released again. And I think it's what's known as doing an elding. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you look at his, his history of clubs, he never stays anywhere for very long. Um, I think we're the club he's been at for longest, and we've been trying to get rid of him for two years. <laughs> so that probably tells you all you need to know. Good dancer. Very good dancer. Yeah, very no good one, dancer. No one needs it. Maybe making up Britain's Got Talent. I'd like to see, I'd like to see uh, <laughs> Carol say no to him. <laughs> One other possible in the way of transfers uh, has come in the way of uh, Ramon Nunes. Definitely Honduran central brilliant. midfielder. <laughs> a Honduran central midfielder, not a Hungarian one, as was put on the uh, official site. He, he played and scored in a friendly against Bradford Park Avenue. Um, give you the stats on him. He's 24 years old, 21 caps. Uh, and we're currently halfway through the extra week's trial that he's been given with the club. I don't know why he didn't start against Nottingham Forest. <laughs> and Gray, Grayson doesn't know what he's playing at, doesn't know, what, doesn't know talent. I mean, the guy's an international. What more does he need? Scored in a friendly, brilliant. Michael's right. Michael's seen him, been following his career for a long time. We know what we're talking about. Why are we persevering with people called Jonathan and Neil when we've got, when we've got Ramon? <laughs> we could put Ramon with Max... And Sanchez. Ramon Nunes sounds like he's got the name of either a drug lord or a serial killer. One of the two. Let's hope he's neither. I wouldn't mind. Either (laughs) or for me. (laughs) Also in the news uh, this fortnight then, poor old Kevin Blackwell. Been sacked by Sheffield United. Are we at all surprised? That he's lasted that long, probably. (laughs) I think it's an, odd, it's an odd timing. It's always weird when people get sacked right at the start of a season because it's obviously been in the minds of people over summer thinking, oh, he's probably not good enough, is he? And then they just wait for it to be confirmed. But, um, yeah, he'll probably go do some more badges. He loves, he loves certificates, doesn't he, old Kev? <laughs> the most qualified manager in the world. It's strange the way his history is repeated because he's, he's got to have some managerial ability because he's got... He got them to the playoffs like he got us to the playoffs. It's just he, once he's done that, he seems to completely lose. He goes to crackers, doesn't he? Yeah, he doesn't have a clue what to do next, and that's where he'll he'll always fall down. Well, what you should do is sign a load of strikers, play them all in wide positions, uh, but only one man up front. The crazy thing with, uh, with four this, five one, it'll never work. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it won't work with them um, candle on the wing. Um, <laughs> the, Elton. Um, Sorry, Elton. <laughs> Kevin Blackwell being sacked isn't the weird thing about this, but Gary Speed, football manager, is is making me feel uncomfortable and old. I remember him starting his career, and now he's a football manager. I understand exactly where you're coming from. Oddie, it must be... It's happened to you loads of times. <laughs> you were at the hospital when he was born, weren't you? 
Well, I remember that young lad, Eddie Gray, coming through the ring. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right in thinking it was Gary Speed who on a pre-season friendly pissed on David Batty on a, on a tour? So actually pissed on him? Yeah, but I, I, this may be libelous if I've got the, the wrong names, but I'm sure it was um, um, like a, a pre-season youth team tour and during the night David Batty woke up to find um, he was being pissed on by a sleepwalking Gary Speed who was standing on the next bed just pissing on him. I imagine in the in the nineties, some people would have paid good money for that. <laughs> <laughs> was a braver man than we ever give him credit for. I think he did. And now he's now he's managing Sheffield United. It's, I don't. I never like it when they appoint the assistant of a sack manager. It always strikes of having no money, and it's just oh, who's here that can do it? it was like Bristol with Steve Copper walking out, and then within hours they gave his assistant a three-year contract. And I think all their fans just thought, oh, that's the dream over. Then is it? <laughs> At least it wasn't like Tranmere where they just appointed the physio. Yeah. But then, I mean, if you're following John Barnes, Anything I could, I could probably yeah. walked in there and uh, got that job. There was a Bristol fan on uh, 6 or 6 after last weekend. He's on about the three nil, their first game at 3 0. It was 3 0. Yeah, game, I think. 3 0 defeat. Um, it's an absolute disgrace. I don't know what's going on at that club. And they've got England's number one goalkeeper, and he's let three goals in. And the guy on the phone just says, uh, So was James at fault for all three goals? And he went, No, I didn't go. <laughs> well, you know, typical typical new breed fan. Yeah. yeah. Um, on to matters a little bit more serious. Fabian Hamilton, MP for Leeds North West, he's put down an early day motion in the Parliament, uh, UK Parliament, urging the government to do more in regards to the appeal uh, against the murders of Chris Loftus and Kevin Spate, which happened in Istanbul ten years ago. Um, and basically, they're looking for people to support the early day motion uh, and get their MPs behind it. Uh, so fans have been asked to contact the local MP to urge them to sign the motion. Uh, so you, we're using this basically as a platform to say, contact your MP if you're in the UK, uh, and quote EDM80, that's early day motion 80, 10th anniversary of the murders of Chris Loftus and Kevin Spate, because it stinks, doesn't it, that it, 10 years ago and we're still waiting for justice on it. Without being too twisty and controversial on it, you get a feeling if it had been Liverpool or you know other clubs that, that a bigger song and dance would have been made out of it, you know, by the media even. I think the thing with an early day motion is that nobody really expects this specifically to do a great deal because it's a parliamentary process, it doesn't get a great deal of attention, but it's a, just a facility of keeping it moving. In the spotlight. Yeah. I, mean, if we I mean, there was all last season's events with the, the Remembrance um, fundraising and then that didn't seem to have uh, had any effect on Harry Kuehl, who then in the summer said that He'd uh, gone to Galatasaray to, to encourage us to forget and move on. The last thing we should be doing is forgetting and moving on. And if we can, uh, I think the 16 MPs have already um, signed up to this, which is getting into the realms where, for an early day motion, that's actually an unusual number. So the more there are, the more likely this is to actually um, get some attention and just keep the keep the pressure on and keep the the fact that um, nobody's done any decent bird for this yet in the news it's pretty it's, you know it's probably beyond the, the scope of what we want to get into in this podcast but again with you know with turkey sort of angling to get in the eu um it would be nice to think that justice can be served in this respect if they want to you know join up with something like the eu um so yeah if you want to lend your support to that i'm sure it'd be massively massively appreciated contact your mp ask them to support edm 80 10th anniversary of the murders of chris loftus and kevin spate uh, Lorimer's Bar event is happening on Tuesday the 17th of August which will be the same day that this uh, hits the uh, hits the ether uh, alongside Peter Lorimer going to be Richard Naylor Neil Lilla Collins um, Gwyn Williams 
and Sean Harvey. And no doubt it'll be the usual free and open exchange of information and any difficult questions posed by the audience will, of course, be tackled head on and won't be brushed under the carpet. Well, I mean, if Richard Naylor and Neil Collins can even get near to a question if they just leave it for each other to answer. (laughs) Um, Or it may just go flying over their heads and uh, um, they'll completely miss it. Um, Are they getting married, those two? I don't know. Gwyn Williams in to talk about the the new scouting system. Um, and Sean Harvey is there to talk about... To poke fun at. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all know the scouting system anyway. Everyone's played football manager where you go filter players by price, free. <laughs> Seems available. <laughs> Therebo West, he's knocking about. Oh, lovely. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see... Uh, well, to hear what Gwyn Williams has to say, because he's kind of the dark lord of Leeds United. Uh, through all the managers we've had recent seasons, Gwyn just remains overseeing our <laughs> dismal um, <laughs> sequence of seasons in Division 3. Oh, come on, he Does found he pick it. up he the facts with all the, um, the low knees from every other club? Then? <laughs> <laughs> the oh, he's, found, he's found a Shawumney, Candall. Sacked by Christmas. And... <laughs> but to be fair, you know, we have, under the same auspices, we've still, still got uh, like Snodgrass and Becky mm-hmm. or so. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm it's hit and miss, uh, isn't it, the whole thing? I I'm intrigued as to how much power he has over the manager. It seemed to me, particularly with Wise, that he was either left to completely run the show in terms of players in and out. Wise, you know, might have said, find me a useless centre-forward, so he came back with several. They just need to be big. Yeah. Uh, if there's anything useful or vaguely interesting that's raised at the uh, at the Lorimer's Bar event, I'm sure we'll digest it in the next podcast, uh, the next time we speak to you. <laughs> Let's talk now then about your so-called celebrity footballer uh, and in particular media-hungry footballers. And this is kind of born out of uh, of what happened with Robbie Savage's media antics both before and after the Derby game. So the backstory being, of course, if you're not familiar, is that he engaged in some fairly playful banter, some of it with uh, Tom Kerwin from uh, from Yorkshire Radio. It was, it was all fairly, fairly playful banter before the Derby match. But... Afterwards, he really didn't act with any sort of humility, and then he was kind of surprised and shocked when it then became personal. Uh, so, what, what's our take on Robbie Savage? I mean, this is a—it's a bit of an open goal, in, is this, isn't it? But... The thing with that weekend was it wasn't just Twitter, and it wasn't just that he's now presenting six zero. It was like the BBC were having a Robbie Savage weekend. He was bloody everywhere. And after the game, when they had uh, um, him being interviewed, it was—it was half a review of the match and then half of a preview of him going to be on the radio in five minutes on the other side. And it's just, um, I don't know why. And it's all, it's obviously, I mean, media hungry. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's, it's absolutely the word. The guy's got an autobiography out. He's going to retire soon because he's, he's getting on. Um, and he's um, looking for his... He wants to have a career as a celebrity after football because for some reason um, he deserves one. Why can't he just be like Carl Schott and get a job at a travel agent? <laughs> well, he probably doesn't even need a job. He's a millionaire. 606 is going to be interesting to see how long he lasts on there because he's not making many friends. Um, somebody phoned him up on Saturday to have a go at him, but even the weekend before when he was saying, uh, justifying why footballers shouldn't have to take pay cuts, he said to a caller, like, if somebody said to you, you had to take a 10% pay cut... You wouldn't do it, would you? And he said, "Well, I've had to because I work in the in the public sector, so it's it's you're not a really mug." A... <laughs> <laughs> was it was that the same guy or a different caller that he, he turned around and said, "Yeah, you can tell all your mates in the pub you've been talking to Robert." Different Sanders, caller, was it? It was the that was the guy who called him the um, everything that is wrong with modern football yeah. today. And Robbie Savage uh, said, um, "Did the, his only this is this is very like what he did on Twitter because he um, he." He said, well, I respect your opinion, right? I res you're entitled to your opinion. I respect your opinion. But um, but you're not Martin O'Neill and you're not Mark Hughes. You're not Steve Bruce. I respect your opinion, though. And when the guy tried to make another point, no, I'm, I respect your opinion. Wouldn't let him speak. I'm respecting your opinion. And as soon as the phone was put down, he went, that guy didn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> and he, he's not got the wit or the wiles to be yeah, a radio Self-awareness self as well. I think it, that's the thing. He's, he seems to lack a sense of humility and a sense of self, doesn't he? It's slightly annoying that we are talking about him because now we're giving him the oxygen of publicity. But is there is there an element of talk sport about it as well? The fact that talk sport has been a very successful radio station recently and maybe they're going for that. Their model seems to be be contentious to get people phoning in and maybe they see Savage as an asset in that respect, even if he does lack the intelligence to, you know, to see what he's doing or what he's being used for. He's going to draw some kind of co controversy, isn't he? Just for... Who he is, who he is, yeah. yeah. I think the annoying thing with him is, is that he he seems desperately to try and get people riled, and then as soon as anything anyone has a go at him, he kind of goes, "Oh, that's not very fair, is it?" <laughs> Just goes off running, running to his mum as soon as someone then uh, happens to have a go at him in a bit of a way that's maybe a little bit too harsh. But he's gonna, if, it, if it's an open medium, like uh, particularly like Twitter, because the radio they can cut people off, but you know things like Twitter, people can say exactly what they want to him, and it's. Uh, Rather than actually cutting him off on the radio, the main presenter, Mark Chapman, went on a sort of unprecedented speech in, in defence of Robbie Savage, saying, you can't just come on here and start accusing him of all these things that he hasn't done. OK, he may not be the, the, the most gentle footballer, but to call him names this way is... A Oh, he's on the radio and you're inviting us to phone him up. And there was, um, it was the first week, the Derby game... Um, was another example of how he, he just doesn't really... He hasn't thought about, well, expecting Robbie Savage would have thought anything through, but this this business of walking the team uh, past all the Leeds fans before the game, and he wouldn't shut up about how the Leeds fans didn't do anything. And somebody phoned up and said, well, what did you want us to do? Actually, you know... Physically attack Physically you. attack you. That would have been a terrible thing. Isn't it great how Leeds United fans have moved on? And we're, we're, we're not um, the violent uh, brutes that you seem to expect at Ellen Rose and... 
and that again we weren't bothered that's, a, that's <laughs> yeah. the whole thing the thing that seemed to really rile him on Twitter though was because um, he mentioned his uh, his dad didn't he Some, somebody tweeted him because uh, his dad's suffering from Alzheimer's which I gather he's written about in his book his autobiography so now I want, I want to say you know I, I understand Alzheimer's my, my mother-in-law uh, worked until very recently for the Alzheimer's Society we've had it in my family as well I understand what sort of a, of a disease it is uh, and how bad it can be but to then put it into your autobiography and to then engage in banter um, on Twitter, on the radio, whatever, without any humility, is he then? Is it then surprising when somebody stoops in with a low blow um, and says something about that that could offend him? And, and is it then annoying that he then threatens to take his bat and ball on him? It's like not having a, an awareness of the fact that you're likely to invite those things when you caught them at the media. It wasn't just that he had um, he threatened to leave Twitter and take his bat and ball home. He was going to, uh, and he maybe did, um, name um, the guy who had made this uh, crack about his father in his Daily Mirror column on Monday and name where he works so his boss would find out and he'd get fired. And so he, even as he's playing the victim of a, a, an unpleasant joke, which he was, he's still, because he's Robbie Savage, the man with the power who can then have somebody sacked on Monday using his newspaper column... Um, and so you can't really feel too much sympathy for somebody who retains all the cards at all times that way. Um, and so he's he's kind of he's putting himself up there for people to to throw bricks at him. And then when they do, um, they actually don't have any means of of actually hurting him because he can just hurt them even more. I mean, it it was I didn't actually see what the the exact comment was about his father. Obviously, it's not the sort of thing anybody should be should be saying. But it's also not something that anybody should be losing their job about just because it happened to be Robbie Savage that you said it to. It's, indi- it's indicative of more of the, the way wider celebrities have gone as well, than that they're quite happy to use the media when it suits them, but then as soon as anything goes wrong, when there's a, a picture taken of them on holiday, they say, oh, it's a terrible invasion of my privacy. I think, yeah, but that's sort of... It's what you do. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, if That's the life you lead. Like, someone like yeah. Don't you, haul your whole life out in front of the whole world exactly, and then you, complain when somebody you don't like... It's like he was threatening to take himself off Twitter, but it's clearly not going to because he's desperately trying to plug his book and his radio show. And if he takes himself off Twitter, then he knows for a fact that he's not going to have a way of plugging it anymore. So he was was, that was in in itself was a a clearly empty threat. It was a very it was a very schoolyard gesture, wasn't it? And as who, who gives a shit if Robbie, <laughs> if Robbie Savage isn't on Twitter? He wasn't threatening to pull the plug on the wa- the water system in the country or something. It wasn't like turning off the electricity. <laughs> well, that was the thing. It was it was almost a, I want everybody to plead that uh, to see the injustice and plead that I should stay on Twitter because I'm Robbie Savage eight. You know, like what what Robbie Savage is is missing. A lot of other players who are who are going down this route of trying to turn themselves into media characters are missing. They all seem they all want the Beckham situation. And no matter what you think of David Beckham, he got all the riches he's got because he was really very good at playing football. He, although he married his wife, but his wife was already a, a famous pop singer, so she got where she got by releasing pop records. So they both had things that they did that, that they were successful at. Robbie Savage has been average at playing football. He's had an a average career. He's not had a better career than, for example, Simon Grayson, played for similar clubs, Leicester. Villa, um, in Grayson's case, Birmingham, in, in who were even worse, um, and and so he's come to the end of that, and now he's trying to sort of leapfrog over into becoming a, a celebrity 
beyond what he deserves as a result of his football talent. It's Simon Walton, um, as is an example closer to home, who, as he as he goes around, hasn't he? Had, he's had ten clubs now, and then and then Blackwell. Um, signed him for Sheffield United and appeared to greet him with a baseball bat and just smash his legs. <laughs> Immediately had him out, out for the season. But he he's um, going out with that page three girl and constantly he's been on Come Dine With Me and she went in the... Uh, I mean, it, it said everything. When she went in the Big Brother house and in her biography on the BBC, they misspelled Simon Walton's name. They said, Crew Alexandra footballer Simon Weston or something like that. <laughs> And he doesn't. He's he's got really no claim to any sort of celebrity access because he's not good Any enough good. at the first thing he's supposed to be doing. If he was as good at David Beckham, all this would come naturally. That's like you were saying as well about him saying to the caller, "You're not Martin O'Neill. You're not Gary Lineker. You're not Alan Hansen. Yeah. You're not Mark Lawrence. And you've won a League Cup." And it was um, it was Richard Savage in that to mention uh, Steve Bruce, given that one of the things in his autobiography is that when he was trying to get transfer from Steve Bruce's Birmingham to Blackburn, he stopped trying because he thought if he played really badly for Blackburn, for Birmingham, they'd be more willing to sell him. So yeah, Steve Bruce thought was a great player, and look how you repaid him. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so what do we think of um, footballers doing this in general? I mean. <laughs> Recall the example of Darren Bent. It caught quite a lot of controversy uh, on Twitter when he was trying to get his transfer out of Spurs, wasn't he? Because he was basically slating some of the clubs that are coming from him. You know, don't want to go to Stoke, don't want to go to so and so, whoever. You know, he ended up at, at Sunderland. Um, should they be stopped? Yeah, I mean, Man yes. United have got a policy of banning them. I, mean, I think there's Rio Ferdinand on Twitter, but I actually, when we, I knew we were looking at um, annoying pseudo celebrity footballers. I had looked, I looked up Rio Ferdinand's. MySpace page because I thought it's bound to have some self-important nonsense on it, and what in his little biography it says I can't remember the date, but it says like on September the fourth, two thousand three, disaster struck Rio Mister Drugs Test. <laughs> you think you no, know, it wasn't disaster. He was out shopping, and he failed to miss a drugs test, which in very dubious circumstances. But yeah, on his in, on his own webpage, it's reported as a, a disaster. Ugh. And he also lists his favourite footballers, but he doesn't call them footballers, he calls them ballers. Oh, <laughs> dear me. Rowan, if anybody... I sigh. I sigh at <laughs> humanity. It's strange how far it goes on. Um, if anybody remembers Rowan Ricketts of um, Tottenham and um, Wolves, he play, he's played about 150 Premier League games, but now he's playing in the Moldovan League and has realised that he'd better start a blog. And that's... Um, there's only three entries... So far, we can give you the headlines. Um, <laughs> Friday, the February the fifth, he wrote "Skills Pays Da Bills," which is all about how he wants to help um, help people learn new skills and get their dream job. Quick example: your middle-aged person who works at a bank but still dreams of being free of nine-to-five work. You can start by taking lessons in cooking. <laughs> and he says, uh, "Speak to you again tomorrow, world." And then um, 20 days later, it's his follow-up post. <laughs> Tiger seems lost in the woods. And he says, this has been bugging me for some time. Must have been the intervening 21 days. Why does everyone seem to care about Tiger's sex problems? This is Tiger Woods, in case anybody's in any doubt. And he moves on um, to say... Uh, he didn't seem to have that many problems with sex. Well, he? He, he, The he, fact that he was doing it was causing him problems. He says, um, um, why did he apologise for something which he thoroughly enjoyed doing, uh, is, uh, is Rowan's point of view. And he says that he should... Um, <laughs> um, he, needs, he needs either now to either practice self-control, 
That's one option. Or do a Hugh Hefner and open up a mansion where he can live <laughs> with all those sexual partners he had. Hey. And I love that. He's almost like... Man, the man is an oracle of our time. He, he presents it almost like he's got to be imprisoned with these women <laughs> forevermore. I'm picturing Rowan Ricketts trying to live a hedonistic lifestyle in Moldova. <laughs> wearing, failing sm- miserably. wearing a smoking jacket. Well, I've got a clock radio. <laughs> I look forward to um, his, his third and final entry is uh, from March the 15th, where he says uh, in block capitals, it's time women woke up. <laughs> and this is just an example of footballers uh, going beyond um, what they should really be doing. Um, I was asked a question the other day by this random woman on Facebook. She said, asked me, what do I think... <laughs> about the way most men treat women these days. Cheating, physical and mental abuse. It's like, who? It, why? <laughs> it's anybody turning to Rowan Ricketts for his advice. And he, he basically says that um, uh, once women start respecting themselves like they should, then you may see um, more men begin to value women in the right way. It's necessarily a point of view. <laughs> Speaking of advice, I'm about Ask Asher, I mean, we've, we've talked about it on one of the previous podcasts, haven't we, on his, on his website. Probably worth touching on again. Some of the bizarre... I don't know if any of this is actually lost in translation, because Ashvin's obviously Russian, isn't he? There's some bizarre stuff on there, isn't there? I was looking on it today, and um, he's very sincere in some of his answers, and it, 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 it like you say, I think it's maybe he's put it through a, an online translator, and it, it, come, it comes across as a, a little bit differently how he means it, but first question I looked at, um, when you were 13, was you fast, was the first question. He said, <laughs> yes, and even Did when Ron I... Did that question, by chance? <laughs> yes, and even when I was seven, fast as lightning. And then there's some some really weird ones as well, like this. Um, Andre, if I came over to you in the street and gave you a teddy bear as a present, would you take it? Would you throw it away afterwards? I would take it and put it very gently in the car. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like the sort of thing that two spies would say when they were meeting up under a clock tower (laughs) in the station. The the bear is very gentle in the car this winter. (laughs) This one's... The The winds are blowing in from the west. If you think that's similar... uh, Andrea, have you ever held a live hedgehog in your hands? (laughs) In one of the photographs, I hold a very small hedgehog in my gloved hands. There was another picture in my family album, which was taken when I got a bit older and held a hedgehog in my bare hands. Wow. So there's a whole history of the Arshavin family... Hedgehog-loving family. (laughs) ...holding hedgehogs. This is what social media was... um, was born for. You know, I, yeah. I take it all back. I'm all in favour of footballers <laughs> doing this now. The more esoteric and bizarre, the better, I think. Hey, Andrew, um, <laughs> I want to ask what is the best way to meet you personally in London. What is the purpose of this question? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's decided to publish that on his website. They could just have let that go. No, he puts everything on. Absolutely everything. It's brilliant. Are you scared of bears? No, I like bears. <laughs> That's another one. Um, other footballers who have made their way onto Twitter, some, there's some sort of significant ones. Uh, Ryan Babbles on there. I don't know if he's ever slated Rafa Benitez much on there, but you could imagine it. Uh, Stephen Ireland is on there. He's a bit of a bizarre character as well. Stephen he's Ireland, somebody who needs to shut up. I actually yes. looked at his website as well because I thought he might have something um, good on there, but he doesn't really. All, all it was was a thing on the front page saying how some event he'd done. He'd raised two grand for charity. Yeah, And his grandma had died. But not died. The news section just full of full of <laughs> the deaths Excuses. of his many grandparents. <laughs> Excuses to managers. <laughs> Carlos Tevez also on there. Um, might be interesting. Not really to me, but... Um, a different South American country, but Diego Forlan had his own uh, channel on YouTube during the World Cup, and I watched the um, Uruguayan squad enjoying a barbecue. <laughs> at one point, just a five-minute video of him just filming them and then Meat. just waving at the camera behind some 
barbecue. Probably the Premier League hotbed of, of tweeting um, is Stoke, bizarrely. They've got four players on Twitter. Uh, BT, the no, last... Celtic. Oh, Rangers. Rangers. Now it Rangers. That's okay. There's not much <laughs> difference between Listen, them. I'm allowed to not be involved in Premier League research because we are not in the Premier League. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's beating Delap, Etherington, and Ryan Shawcross as well. We were... Carl Isle is Delap. I only learnt that the other day. I... Is that why? He's... That's what I was wondering. He's got really extra long arms <laughs> yeah. for his long. It was someone in my office. I worked with is from Carl Isle, and she brought in a magazine called Carl Isle Living, which confirms my opinions about the, <laughs> the gene pool. Is it themed on troglodytes? Um, there's some very odd looking characters in there. Anyway, uh, but yeah, there was a feature on him, and I thought, oh, that does explain the sort of weird proportions of the man <laughs> and his 13 fingers that managed to hold that ball and throw it further on the way in the next fortnight then three games coming up before we speak to you in the next podcast this coming Saturday we will be visited by our old friends and foes from Millwall uh, that's on the 21st of August uh, followed on the Tuesday after the 24th by the next round of the League Cup that's round two Leeds against Leicester City drawn at home and on Saturday the 28th we have our is our first Saturday three o'clock kickoff away to Watford. A couple of London teams, obviously one from the Midlands. Uh, how do we think we're going to fare then in this? I think be- only only people in Watford claim it's London. It's not as cosmopolitan as that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we never beat Millwall, do we? No. That's really annoying me now. I thought we'd left that lot behind. There was the whole point of getting promotion is we didn't have to put up with bloody Millwall anymore. They're off to a flyer as well. Yeah, which is yeah, annoying. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not looking. Well, I'm not looking forward to any of these games. To be honest, I think this is where we we realise that the championship's not actually all that good. <laughs> <laughs> it's really difficult. Yeah, we'll go back, they go back down. Well, again. I mean, who will Watford and they'll probably win. On that note, um, the Leicester game is that it, it doesn't really matter if we don't win it because it's the League Cup, which we're unlikely to win. Uh, it's going to be a, a good benchmark, another little test for us, isn't it? Um, that doesn't actually really matter if we lose it, really. It's it's a really annoying draw. And um, I think I'd rather have had someone like Lincoln again and have another pre-season friendly. Having played the first team against Lincoln to get through the second round, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw um, some reserves against Leicester, because they'll win. And, um, <laughs> and it's just going to be an annoying game. Not concentrating on the League Cup. We're going to win the FA Cup, so we don't need to mess around with this, this nonsense. <laughs> Yeah, an early kick-off for Millwall as well, which there'll be quite a lot of police around, I'd imagine. Yeah, I think they're, they're going to put the same travel arrangements in place, aren't they, for the tickets, so they've got to collect them from, from is, it, is it Woodall Services on the a, uh, M1, sorry? Isn't it a secret location? Is it? All right, <laughs> Not anymore, is it? A secret location <laughs> near Woodall Services. <laughs> Burger King. Um, so, but I, I do. I'm aware that there are a lot of non-ticketed fans supposed to be travelling up on the train as well. So that should be tasty. You always get that with Millwall, though, don't you? You always get mm. people talking about it. And, you know. Well, last time when we played Millwall in the playoffs, I did see um, a, a transit van going down um, round the corner in front of McDonald's with the back doors open and some Cockneys in the back um, threatening people. It was just driving around. It was. It, it just seemed like it looked as if it had driven straight from 1979. It was like a combination of, well, it was a, a life from Mars is probably more appropriate with the alien-looking men. Was there a Mark Phil Jag chasing it? So, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just a very old-fashioned <laughs> Watford's the only place where I've been called a northern monkey. You should get out more, Moscow. Well, <laughs> not going down south more. That was a long time ago as well. That was his opening gambit. All right, you northern mangies. 
What did that Tough mean? One. What did that mean in English? I have no idea. I think he meant he wanted a punch. <laughs> Fortunately, he asked me, and I'm soft as shit, so it's all right. Nothing else to say about Millwall and Watford. <laughs> I'm no. sick in Watford ones. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't that surprise me? So is it just a case of these uh, perhaps being part of a wider thing that we'll, we'll know how this season's going to go, maybe six to eight games into it, and because we're, we're likely to win a f- couple, uh, in her, I mean, over the course of the season, uh, lose a few, because I get a feeling that we're going to be sort of hot and cold this season. I don't know, we're going to have bits when we look really good, like the second half against Forest, but we're gonna also going to have bits where we're as bad as we were in the first 20 minutes against Forest. So. I wish we'd had a bit of an easier start. I wish we'd just had a one sort of home game where you look at it and you think, oh, we should be winning that. Whereas it, as it was, you're kind of looking four games in, thinking, yeah. oh, we might not really take anything from these. I mean, I'd be quite up for taking on a, uh, a promotion partner. That's probably the wrong term, is it? <laughs> Somebody who came up with us at this stage of the season, if it wasn't either Millwall or Norwich, because they're both probably a bit better than us. <laughs> so we've not even, we've, we've not really got, I don't want to be tested against our... Uh, Peers, because but that's what we'll the whole up. things about. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-three of them. Yeah. Well, I fancy us against Watford, but mainly because I'm I, I don't know much about them this year. Research. Danny Graham's scoring a few though, isn't he? He's uh, yeah, yeah. one-time Leeds loanee. And mm. yeah. uh, well, the thing is, we need to get through this period before we start getting some people back as well. Yeah. So, will Gradle be back for Watford? Is that he's is back for Millwall? Is he? Is he? Back? Summer he is back. He had a four-game four ban. ban. Yeah, which summer's back the cup now. From Millwall, or is Millwall his last? Yeah, Summer, Summer had a three-game ban, so he's back. Right, and, and then, then Millwall will be Gradle's last, so we can throw him in against Leicester. Like a rabid animal. <laughs> and he's gone, gone fairly quiet on Paintrance and on grass, really, hasn't it, since the initial statement saying they're still alive. Well, they're saying day by day, aren't they, which tends to mean we're not saying anything at yeah. all, really. We're still praying for a miracle. <laughs> Dead by Christmas. <laughs> Take it into Lords. Yeah. <laughs> Watford is the one that I'm hoping for. For points from Millwall's just going to be ugly, ugly fixture. If Not we could beat Millwall, though, it could be the start of something magical. Of course, there's always the possibility of bringing in another player or two before. Uh, or not any of this happens, but maybe you know midway through this uh, this next fortnight. We're, right. we're looking at the end of the window uh, just after the Watford game, aren't we? There's 25 man squad business when it's, there's all sorts of jobless footballers lining them all ways with the thumbs out. So well, quite, talk of quite a lot of Craig Bellamy, yeah, Bellamy yeah. to Cardiff. So yeah. you know if the that's the calibre of player that we can not that's we a, but that's a freak occurrence though that's basically because he's given up he's already, they won't let him go to Tottenham like he wants so he's basically going to Cardiff in a sulk back his family lives in Cardiff so yeah. he's basically just he's going back to his teenage bedroom he's just going <laughs> to go under the covers and count his money yeah maybe he'll finally bankrupt Cardiff can't imagine he'll come cheap well the rumours uh, not going away about Jay Simpson from Arsenal uh, to, to add to the strike force and is it Kolka from Spurs is the the centre-half rumour that keeps rearing its head? And we've uh, got Adam Clayton instead. Yeah. <laughs> Simon Grayson does like to spring his surprises. Unfortunately, Adam Clayton doesn't like even a pleasant surprise. But although that's unfair after I've seen him for two minutes. Substitute appearances. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, and all sorts could happen with... Um, and it'll be in, it will be good against Leicester and Watford to have... Uh, Gradle and Sommer available. I think we want Sommer on the bench as a as an option and um, maybe give Grella his wish of, uh, of getting a loan elsewhere. I worry about Grella now. I was hoping he might improve because he's always shown flashes of, of having some ability, but 
he's not actually got any better, I don't think, since we signed him, which I was hoping someone like Beckford, who we signed from non-league, and he, he kind of he visibly improved game by game, whereas Grella's not really done it, I don't know. But think. is he going to improve in the reserves? Maybe that is the, the point of sending mm. him out on loan, because it happened to Beckford, and he, you know, he's get the goals, get the confidence. Same thing for Sommer as well. Sommer as well, yeah. Well, Sommer went, signed last year, and he was kind of a clean-shaven, and he's come back looking like some kind of... Uh, <laughs> Avant-garde poet. Yeah, he's got he's got like a some fashionable stubble, and uh, I think he's uh, yeah, I think he's ready to f- fill the void of uh, of uh, <laughs> Gary Speed left all those years ago. I was quite cross with Grella for um, robbing us of the potential for an opening goal for Casper Schmeichel, opening day goal. When did you see that in the last minutes against Derby? It was actually it's quite a positive thing for our season that in the last minutes against Derby, Casper Schmeichel was willing to come up for a corner to try and save a point and he he was he got the nod from Grace and bombing up got past the centre circle and then Grella just rolled the ball into the uh, penalty area because he didn't see him come in <laughs> now that would have been uh, just a real, turn around and a real quiz question that one wouldn't it which Man United goalkeeper's son scored for their greatest rivals on the uh, opening day of the uh, 2010-11 championship there were some shouts against Lincoln as well for him to take the penalty <laughs> and the, the, the crowd was kind of singing uh, <laughs> singing for him but Sadly not. That's the thing about him being clearly our best player. He probably he should take everything. the penalties. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be have every confidence. I've advocated it before, but we should we should have special teams in soccer. We should have a special teams department, and he can do everything. I'm oh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't know where you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing with Grella as well is he's got self belief that probably extends beyond his actual ability. He does need a run in the team, but I think he thinks he deserves a run in the team as well. He's very shouty. Whenever anything doesn't pass to him, he's always yelling at people. And he, he, he seems to shout at himself as well, to be fair to him. But when it, whenever, he, whenever, he miss it, whenever he misses a ball, <laughs> you can see him having a little childish tantrum to himself. He just sort of screams to himself. Oh, come on! <laughs> Taking himself Get in the to- game! <laughs> come on, Mike! <laughs> I'm taking myself to pound camp. He, um, I was a bit worried when we signed him, because he was about 22 then, wasn't he? And he seems one for the future. And he, 18-year-old to, for the future... <laughs> <laughs> They're the ones. Not who, quite sure where you're going with that, but well, I just hope for a better future for all our children. I don't know how anybody can laugh at that. In America, you can't drink until you're 21, though. In England, most yes. teenagers have destroyed their bodies by the time they're 18. So he's maybe it was. Uh, but hasn't he sort of destroyed his body through frenetic internet sex <laughs> instead? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure this is widely known, actually, about Mike Grello. Ex- expand on the... Uh... Well, it, I'm not sure if it's an urban myth, but it, it did seem to be um, documented when he arrived. There was a, a transcript... Oh, a second. Libel alarm. Libel alarm. <laughs> there was a transcript of a, um, of a um, internet chat conversation between oh, God. Mike Grello and what he thought was a, a, a girl from his college... And he, um, he basically um, told her all sorts of saucy stuff, um, culminating in him telling her that he was going to take her to pound camp, which um, sounds like a lovely part of the world. Sounds cheap. Yeah. <laughs> but it turned out it was actually um, some um, lads from the opposing college or high school um, I don't know how it works over there, and they um, those crazy frat boys. <laughs> yeah, basically it was all the frat prank, and the, the next game that he played, they were yelling out bits from the the transcript that put him off his stroke for one of a better. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and that story was sort of circulated around, and then when we signed him, um, it was yeah, that's the guy that was Mister Pound Camp. 
whether it's true or not, whether I want particularly to be recorded uh, accusing him of this, and whether it should be... I mean, we've all been up to... As long as we've ascertained that it's not true, that's fine. It's definitely not true. It, it isn't true. Definitely not true. I haven't made it up either. That makes me sound like a liar. It isn't true. <laughs> You're just speculating on a rumour. Um... Just passing on gossip. Comment. We're, we're gossiping at this That's point. It is fair comments. Well, should we, should we rein it back in then, away from this uh, this Heat magazine-style <laughs> dissertation on Mike Greller's uh, activities at, at college? Um, current magazine, Square Ball, is out now, issue one for the season. You can also buy that versus Millwall and Leicester. Uh, the next issue will be available versus Swansea on Saturday the 11th of September. And I'm led to believe it's going to be including an opinion piece from one of the Kaiser Chiefs. Of course, Simon Ricks from the Kaiser Chiefs, uh, featured in Podcast 6. Yes, fans of the magazine and the podcast, the Kaiser Chiefs, will be writing a column in the next issue of the magazine. And it's, it is going to be opinion pieces. I think they're taking is it the, the last word column. That's right. Yes. Which uh, contained a beautiful rant uh, from one of our writers in the last one. Unhinged. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course, if you want to buy the magazine, it's always available to buy at home games and 24 hours a day via the squareball.net forward slash shop. Subscriptions also available now too, including the new digital download option, all very fancy, uh, which of course is free of postage costs. If you fancy catching up with the print version of the Squareball, you can do that. Uh, same place, the squareball.net forward slash shop. Well, if that's all there is for this time, then we will say our goodbyes. Goodbye from me and goodbye from Michael Normanton. Goodbye. Goodbye from Moscow White. Goodbye. And goodbye from Oddie. Goodbye. The next podcast will be available for you in about two weeks after the Watford game. In that, we'll be previewing the Swansea and Barnsley matches. Thank you for listening, and we'll speak to you again soon. The Square Ball Podcast. Andre, I just wanted to ask, if your daughter decided that her dream was to play professional football, would you encourage or support her in this? I hope it will never happen. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.